This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 94. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Liam Dempsey. Today, we're joined by Alex Sorota. Alex is a father, a husband, a son, the director of New Path Consulting, a contributor in the WordPress Toronto community, a trumpet player, and a University of Michigan football fanatic who wants to see software make the world a better place. Welcome, Alex. Hi, everybody. Uh, Hi, Tara. Hi, Liam. It's very nice to meet you. Great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for joining us, Alex. Can you tell us more about yourself, please? Sure. I live in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, also known as the Great White North. Um, it's actually, I'm looking outside the window now, and it's a sunny uh, spring day. We've had a very long winter, and it's uh, very nice to see that it's warming up uh, and everyone is getting out of their hibernation mode. Um, I've lived in Toronto for 22 years. I'm originally from Michigan. I went. Uh, I grew up in the Detroit suburbs area, and uh, I came here actually in 1990, December 96, uh, for a job, and I, I stayed here. I actually immigrated from the U.S. to Canada, which is pretty unusual. Well, I mean, there was, there's about a million Americans that live in Canada. That's, that's the estimate. And most people here are economic uh, immigrants, meaning that they came here for some sort of opportunity, or maybe a lot of them got married to someone, and they came here. Um, but we do have actually, uh, uh, Canada is very interesting. We have about a quarter of a million immigrants from all around the world coming here now. And about 100 to 150,000 of them per year for the last probably 10 years have come directly to the Toronto greater Toronto area. And it's grown just extraordinarily over the last few years. Their infrastructure is really kind of getting, uh, getting taxed quite a bit. I want to go back to Detroit for just a minute. And yeah. this is more about me than about you. Yeah. Uh, I'm originally from the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a big fan of Chicago-style pizza. Mm-hmm. And I met a guy recently who was from Detroit. And talk to me about Detroit pizza and said it's the best ever. Do you have an opinion on that, please? They have, they have a um, well, Detroit style pizza. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a there's something about it, um, but there's a company there that's kind of made it big called Buddy's um, Buddy's Pizza. That, and then that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, it's like a, it's like kind of like a local chain. Um, you know, everybody's a marketing thing, really. It's it's just a special kind of pizza. I think it's deep dish. I don't really even remember to be honest with you. I haven't had it in a long time. There's another one called Jets there that's deep dish and it's like crusty on the ends, but um, it's not, it's, I don't think it's as good as Chicago style. It's, it's good. It's, you know, it's pizza, right? It's a Midwestern thing, cheese, bread, you know? You yeah. Can, well, we can keep you on the show then. All right. <laughs> Chicago is best. I'm going to turn it back over to Tara. <laughs> no. Well, cheese and bread are popular topics too, but I think we're going to talk a little bit about, more about you and your background uh, and how you relate to WordPress and, and in general, how you relate to the world. So Alex, what's your background? How did you find your way to WordPress and thus be on our show today? Yeah. um, Well, it's kind of a WordPress is one of these uh, technology platforms that I kind of look at. I'm a technologist for the most part. Like I, I went, I have a computer science degree, I have a development background. Also, the reason why I came to Toronto was actually for product management opportunity when I was in my 20s. And um, product management is interesting because it's kind of like this combination of marketing and technology, the idea of developing 
uh, a product. And, I, and WordPress caught my attention in the two point something days when I worked for the Ontario government um, as a, a project manager. And we, uh, in Ontario, um, Ontario is a big place. Like it's a very large province, which is what we call states here in Canada. It's probably the size of California or Texas in physical space, but only about 10 to 12 million people live here. About a third of the country live in Ontario. Um, we have a very large Ontario government, and they were looking at technology to use, and WordPress is actually actively being used in the Ontario government to run a whole bunch of different technology, um, Drupal as well. And uh, we were looking at it as a, a platform to do collaboration for uh, an internal project. And I just kind of looked at it as one of the potential platforms, and I, and I discounted it at the time because it still hadn't really evolved to being what I thought was a, a modern content management system. Uh, this was probably before the idea of custom post types and WordPress 3.0. So I kind of like looked at it, I think, just maybe a year or two before it became something very different. Then uh, I started my own business in 2014 doing consulting, and I was looking for a good technology platform to build out um, websites that had a transactional nature. And I looked at it again. And, and what it really impacted me was not really necessarily technology, which had grown by then by leaps and bounds quite a bit. But, but in, in more particular, there's a community that was being formed around it. I, I was honestly blown away because I, I, I'd been on the Internet. I'm kind of, you can see my gray hair here on the video, but I, I, I had an email address in 1989 on the Internet when I went to University of Michigan. So, like, I've been on the Internet pretty much since the Internet or the World Wide Web, I guess, started. And there's always this, this, this conflict between proprietary software and open source software. It's, it's always been the case. And most open source software doesn't really gather the attention for end users. Like you know, Linux notwithstanding, it's kind of a, a server-side kind of hidden technology. But WordPress was the first technology from my, in my whole life that I saw that captured the imagination of a non-technology, non-technologist. Um, you know, publishers and stay-at-home moms and, you know, scientists and, you know, just hobbyists. And, like, and, I, and, I, and I just saw this really interesting kind of paradigm shift that's happening where people that don't have a technology background are, are setting up WordPress and tweaking it and making it do unbelievable things. And I also had an experience doing some content management systems work in the early 2000s during the dot-com days. And I saw the expensive content management systems that existed, six figures, seven figures. And here I'm looking at this product and technically and functionally it's equivalent to those systems and it's available for free. And, and it was really, the, the community really captured my imagination because here's thousands of people, tens of thousands that are actively contributing. And then there are millions of people that are using this product, kind of taking it for granted to some extent. And that's the thing that kind of said, you know, there's this really interesting thing happening and I want to be part of it. So we started to kind of do some work in it and I started learning more about it. And really I'm not like one of these WordPress people that have been in for a while. I'm really interested in kind of how people, you know, average people use fairly advanced piece of technology to accomplish some really amazing things. Alex, you shared that the community caught your attention when you were exploring WordPress as a content management system. You mm -hmm. said that was right around 2014 or so when you set up your own consultancy. What was your first experience with the community? Did you go to a WordCamp? Did you find blog posts and were surprised that 
know, people were sharing this? Did you stumble on a meetup? What was your initial experience? It, it was strictly it was strictly the plugin and Deem ecosystem, right? It, it was nothing actually in in person. I it, I looked at I remember looking at the where it stood at two at, in twenty I don't know 2010, 2009, uh, so like ten years ago. And it was kind of like there's a system and there are these plugins and themes, but it wasn't really that developed. And, you know, 10 years later, I looked at it and there was, you know, tens of thousands of examples and functionality tweaks that really set it head and shoulders above anything else that was out there. There's ability. And I think that's still the case for a lot of people looking at it. They look at it from the perspective. And I looked at it from the perspective as like, here's the core thing, what it does, but look at all the things you can do with it. And, and how inexpensive and or compelling it is to try these things. And to this day, it's kind of the, the, the pro and the con at the same time that you can do all these things, but the way that you approach doing it, you could really could be a good thing, could it be a bad thing. Like it, it has like this dual-edged sword in the sense that you could choose the right plugins and themes and just do amazing things. You can choose the wrong ones and get yourself into a world of hurt. Uh, but the community of people contributing and building ecos and building their own businesses. And I could, you could really clearly easily see that there is this sort of ecosystem build around the product and having a, an ecosystem build around an open source product is extremely unusual. It's just, it's to, to this extent, it's just, I can't think of anything else that's actually been in the open source community. That's that, that's been this successful and continues to continue to drive and, and capture people's imaginations. And, um, yeah, so 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 uh, that was the first thing. It was just the the, the sheer breadth of the ecosystem. Sure. Yeah. How do you engage with the community these days? Yeah, um, so I'm kind of a connector. I like to kind of learn. I, I like to observe, to be honest with you, how people use technology in general, and I, I do that because I that's that's how I see the pain points where people uh, you know have challenges, and that's how I'd like to have my consultancy address those pain points. We don't, you know, um, and so I, I, I use uh, my uh, involvement in the community to really be obviously participate in helping the, to grow this community and helping the Toronto community grow the last couple of years, which I'll get into in a second, but also to learn and kind of become a uh, observer of the challenges that people face, which are, which are quite, quite um, dramatic. So in Toronto, we've had for over a decade, we've had various individuals that have been actually involved in the community. One of them is actually Andy McKillwin, who's works for GoDaddy now. Andy has been kind of like a shining star in Toronto and way back to the beginning has been very actively involved along with a few other folks here to, to kind of build the WordPress Toronto community. And then a couple of years ago, um, I, you know, I kind of, you know, I met Andy and I said, well, let's we'd like to have a meetup. And in Toronto, it's a big city like New York and Chicago and, we have a lot of geographic areas. It's kind of hard to get around. And so um, uh, we decided to have like a strategy to create points of presence and have different parts of the region to have their own meetups. And so I volunteered to run the North York meetup, which is the northern suburb of Toronto, the, the furthest northern suburb, which is fairly close to where I live. And, um, and I started to have a meetup there. Uh, and we were kind of doing the typical thing, like have somebody speak, and about a year and a half ago or so, we stumbled onto a format which we've continued doing now, which has totally changed the way that our meetup uh, attracts people. And, and basically the meetup that uh, we, we pivoted to because we were having trouble kind of getting traction was 
let's fix your website. Basically the name of the meetup is let's fix your website. So it's a, it's essentially a group happiness bar. It's essentially what it is. It's not, it's a, we get regularly between 20 and 30 people showing up to the event, even during the summer. And it's, and it's literally people putting on their, the meetup. I have a problem with my site. Here's my URL. Here's a problem. I've tried to do this, this and that. Um, and then they come to the event and it's a free event. Uh, and it's just one after the other. What's your challenge? What's the, what are you trying to accomplish? Or we will we'll put the website up on the screen and we'll try to diagnose it in groups. So it's kind of like a group therapy session. And it's, it astounds me. It honestly astounds me. The degree to which people build amazing things and the degree to which people can totally mess up their WordPress sites. Yes, it makes you see how not easy WordPress is for people in a lot of ways as well. I, I also, Liam and I both run local meetups and it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I run sort of a, an ancillary meetup outside of DC that's part of DC and we get 20 to 30 people as well. Um, but it's always a struggle to find a topic and to find a speaker. And so the last meetup that I had was, it wasn't let's fix your website, but it was an open Q&A. So bring your questions and people would come and write their questions down and we would just take them one by one. And it was a really great format. And I I think for, you know, for a place like Toronto or Washington, Philadelphia cities that have maybe a more formal meetup where there's a speaker and a presentation, it's, it might be really nice to, to offer that. So you have a pretty consistent following. Do you ever have trouble getting to everybody's issues during those meetups? Every single time. Yeah. Every single time. Because Do you break up into groups and sort of split people up like theme <laughs> issues and plug-in issues or is it yeah, not, No, not yet. But then the, the meetup naturally breaks itself up because sometimes it's so big that there's these natural, we, we, we're not really like, we, it's more like I kind of, facilitated and we have what, what's interesting is we have naturally some people that are more expert and mm-hmm. so they provide the the input and then other people that have that are more new to it and so they're more learning and listening um and but really it's kind of like almost like well what do you what do you all think like what's the best approach and inevitably one of the common refrains is which i hope maybe the technology that score will eventually address is when you make changes, you need to have backups. When you mm-hmm. when you do things with WordPress, you're managing a technology stack, and so we start talking about this stuff, which I'd rather not talk about, frankly. Like um, this is a code base, this is a database, this is a technology platform, and I wish I didn't have to explain it, but I do because people sort of think, well, it's just like this. It's like Microsoft Word; it just kind of works. It's like no, you own, you're maintaining a technology platform, and so therefore, when you make changes, you should treat it as such. To be honest, I hope one of the things in the future happens is that it doesn't, you don't have to consider it that way. It becomes a lot more uh, resilient to changes and there's a way to make changes in it that are, that don't require you to know the fact that, you you know, you make a change and you can blow up your site. But uh, it's, it's pretty tricky. You know, the plugins that are out there and themes are extremely complex and they, and some of them are, the way we describe them is, we've kind of agreed to saying it's like a whole nother piece of software on top of WordPress. And so you don't, you're just not maintaining your WordPress. You're also maintaining this piece of software that you've added. And as a result, a lot of people gain an appreciation for that. But I feel bad sometimes to be honest with you, because people get into these situations where they're out of their element by a long shot, like um, it just, and it's so complex. And so when, when Gutenberg came out, I, I was a big 
and I still am a big proponent, even without, notwithstanding all the issues, is that by far the biggest issue is page builders and how people get sort of lost in the in their in the myriad of options that are there, and what uh, what is supposed to be a fairly user friendly experience becomes extremely user friendly, and and it becomes like you know you're inheriting usually they're inheriting a site somebody built they have no idea how to manage the site and and so that is I'm actually really happy that there's going to be this evolution of the product to make it much more friendly to build more interesting looking websites without uh, depending on fairly proprietary solutions. But there's that's notwithstanding, there's a lot of other stuff that happens around WordPress that is, is fairly complex. On the other hand, I also see people building some really cool technology that would have cost many thousands of dollars to come totally on their own. And that's, that's just enlightening to see how productive people are. Yeah, I think there's a lot of mixed messaging around WordPress and around making websites generally. We certainly hear advertising, make your own custom WordPress website in minutes. And yet, you know, we would never do design your own custom house in minutes or uh, design your own bulletproof in court contract in minutes in just for $15 a month. I mean, I know there's legal solutions out there, but, but yeah, there's a whole range of options. And a lot of it is just around communication to try to clarify that. And, and speaking of communication and clarifying and what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is different, I'm going to change gears on this and ask you about success. And one of the questions I'd like to ask our guests is what is your definition of success? And that definition might be a personal definition. It might be a professional definition. Alex, it might be a mix of both. So I welcome your thoughts. How do you define success? You know, it's probably something that in my life, it's, I think it's, it's changed over time because I think when people, when, when I was, when I was young, I think the definition of success was very much a career and money oriented and try to like become somebody that somebody knows something about, like have a name for yourself and have these, all these accomplishments and stuff. As, as I, as I get older, I think there's, that's a very, I found it was a very ego driven sort of approach to, to accomplish and do and, and do all these amazing things. And, you know, it, it comes in my case, it comes at a cost. Like um, th- it's very hard for people, I think, especially the, uh, when, they, when they're young to recognize you know, what's important and what's not. So success now, I mean, my, my late forties, I think success now is building something that um, you can be proud of and, and that the helps the world become a better place. Um, frankly, like, it, and it doesn't have to be huge. It could be extremely local and something that that is um, that people you know get value out of and, and enjoy, and, and something that other people can get behind. And and so like and it's something that you're not you don't put yourself kind of as the central point of a relationship, for example. So to, to clarify that a little bit more, it's like I think it's success. I, I'm a, I feel successful in a. Uh, a technology project when the people that I work with, my clients, uh, actually internalize what they built and they feel proud of it and they can actually continue to operate it on their own. They're not sort of beholden to uh, our company to oh, you know, be sort of dependent on them. I think a lot of technology, especially up until probably the idea of the cloud and mobile devices, technology was really, frankly, uh, a hostage-shaking situation. Like, uh, my observation was that the technology was sold in general, and when you bought it, you were always kind. Of, you you had to you had to derive the value out of it, and all the risk was with the customer. 
Uh, and so for me, success is to de-risk that, to actually make it so that uh, customers can uh, to manage their own things, to be completely in control and, and to be able to manage costs and how much time is spent. And so I look for people and solutions that actually are very customer-centric and oriented as opposed to the solutions that are proprietary and lock people in because I think actually in general, people can be more successful with those kind of solutions. Um, so that's a philosophy that I have in my business. Like we try to build systems and like I try to, for example, to write as little code as possible if I can. And so I have people, I have regularly subcontractors come to me and say, well, we've got to write this code. It has to be like, no, I actually, let's try to build stuff that doesn't require code because I want our customers to be able to maintain this on their own somehow. Um, but it's very hard to do. It's very hard not to put yourself and say, we need to create proprietary type of stuff. Um, and with like, with WordPress, it's interesting because you can actually write proprietary systems, but because of the license, you, 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 you have to, you have to use GPL. And so, there's a, it forces these business models to evolve. So it's not just proprietary, it's value added. And, uh, and you can still help people and still make a business out of it, but you still have, you give a lot of control to your customers. So I think a success actually makes sure that you're not sort of a stumbling block. You're not a bottleneck in the process. When I say you are, it means the business or you're the director of a company and that you're an enabler to have people to do, to be able to do better things. So I, I try to try to do that as much as, as much as possible. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to talk a little bit, I'll talk a little bit more about running your own business because you, you mentioned early on that you opened your own business. I think you said it was in 2014. And mm -hmm. so uh, talk a little bit about that decision and how you knew how to do that, where that came from and, and how that's gone for you, maybe what your challenges have been in being a business owner. It sounds like you have a good handle on serving your clients and you treat them well. What, what are your, challenges and how and how did that come about um i started my business uh i ran my own consulting business for a few years in 2001 and two and then i started working for the interior government for about 11 plus years while i was working there i always wanted to start my own business again and i have found the opportunity in 2014 i was basically out you know let go effectively i, I was running my business while i was working there on the side you know the side hustle thing and I think at some point, I think we both realized, my employer and myself, that it would be best for that, that I run my own business. And so I got a, a bit of runway to do that. And what, what captured my imagination was, what I mentioned was this, this idea of these tools that are being developed that are aimed at consumers directly, not at technology companies, but rather, not at IT departments, but rather at people, just like everyday people that are going to use technology to make their lives better, their businesses better. And I started researching a bunch of products that did this. They're all cloud-based products. And so what I tried to do is try to, to do two things, is try to select um, products that I thought, I thought that I could make use of and I think my customers could make use of, create like a, almost like a Microsoft office of these cloud products. And, that, and I wouldn't be building them myself. I would actually be using them and reselling access to them and recommending them. And what I wanted to do is basically introduce them to small businesses and organizations so that they could um, uh, assemble them together like Lego blocks to build solution sets. I think this is actually a, um, a technologically continues to be something that's on the mind of a lot of people. Like how do I accomplish really amazing things, but without having to break the bank on technology spend? I actually, a lot of small business organizations, I, I was actually, as I started working and targeting uh, small businesses and organizations and not-for-profits, 
uh, I saw how little they spend on technology and how little they use technology in general. Um, and I think um, there's a reason for that because technology, you can easily spend a lot of money on technology. And so it's not, a, it's not a good idea for small business to do that. Um, inevitably, if you write custom code, if you do custom things, if you do things that specifically you think are for you, you're going to spend a lot of money. And so a lot of small businesses chose to do exactly the opposite of this, which is means that they run their whole business in Microsoft Office or they run their whole business with a website and almost no technology whatsoever. And when they introduce technology, it's usually the owner or, the, or, or a volunteer or somebody that actually kind of says, hey, you should try this thing. You should try that thing. And they kind of do that almost ad hoc. And, um, and that's okay. That's actually what these technology companies, these software as a service providers want you to do. And so I thought that I could be more of like a, um, an, like a guide to this whole huge ecosystem of thousands of products that do all kinds of different things aimed at all kinds of different companies and to try to assemble them together. And so I, I selected several solutions as, and as my company involved, I had almost like a testing ground of a whole bunch of different products. In the last couple of years, I've, I've, I've settled on more of a, a targeted approach. I have like three or four products that I think I, I'm focusing more on. And as part of my business practice, I've actually built relationships with the makers of those products. Um, there's one called Wild Apricot, Formstack, WebMerge. And these are products that are automation products that have high value add for our customers, but uh, they require partnerships. They require, in some cases, they require uh, some support from companies like ours. And so I've tried to align myself with those partners so that they can help and refer business to me. Right? So one of the things I found in almost all my clients is that they, they have difficulty getting customers. Like every single small business in the world has difficulty. And I think a lot of them don't rely on partnerships as much as they should. And I think in the internet, this idea of building relationships with partners that can help you is a really powerful concept. And so, um, that's really, to be honest with you, was the turning point. When I started doing that, seeing myself as a part of an ecosystem as opposed to somebody that's trying to change the world and seeing myself as a service delivery uh, agent on behalf of these larger companies, uh, WordPress being one of those, although there isn't really a referral ecosystem. It's more about building a, uh, building, building a name for yourself to some extent. That's actually when things really started to take off. And they're still, they're, they're still uh, sort of developing, but from a marketing perspective, it's really helped my company. And I can, you see that in the bottom line and you see that in the opportunities I get to do and speak at different conferences and stuff. Um, and it's, it's changed. It, it's by being part of this partnership ecosystem, it's really changed the way I look at not just the way I run my business, but even how I talk to my customers and say, Hey, you know, you're not, you shouldn't be doing this all by yourself. You should look at where your business model supports partnerships. Right. That's really smart. That's a, a good business plan approach that you have partnering and becoming sort of that's your specialty that's your niche in, in your in a way uh, and I'm going to consider that to be advice because that probably is something that a lot of us who run WordPress agencies could benefit from is sort of deciding on a an alliance with uh, with a product and becoming a specialist and a, and a recommended specialist with that product. So I'm going to consider that advice but then I'm going to turn it over to you and ask you if you have received any advice that you've really taken to heart, the most important perhaps piece of advice you've received that you'd share with us and that you've implemented in your life? When I was, um, when I was at Apple, my first job out of school, 
I was like a just like a software developer in a in a, in a large call center in Austin, Texas. Apple has to this day uh, several hundred, maybe more now, people running and answering phone calls for support. And my my first manager's name was David, and he um, he I was like this eager employee right out of school, and I was working at this great company, and you know I wanted to please everybody, and so I, we we were using Microsoft Outlook, if you can believe that. Um, to answer emails and Outlook has this feature where That's you, funny. <laughs> and you get an email. This is like in the mid nineties. So you get an email and it, it's just like Slack, right? It bings and it says, Hey, you've got an email and you see these bolded email messages kind of piling up. And I would like literally sit there and be like, okay, I got to reply to this email. I, gotta reply. I wanted to please everyone. He, he, he observed this and he said, you know, Alex, like if you, if you reply to every single email that comes in within like an hour or so, first of all, you're probably not going to get anything done. And second of all, you're going to, you're going to develop this, this expectation that if you don't respond to an email within a particular amount of time to the person that's emailing you, they're going to think that you, they did something wrong and they're going to think that you don't like them anymore. So by setting up this expectation, you're going to get yourself into a really difficult position of not being as productive as you can be and also potentially setting yourself up for failure with other people. So he's like, look, somebody really needs to get an answer for you or something they'll email you at least three times and then eventually they'll call you. It's a really an issue if you, and he basically was the first person that kind of described to me how email can be abused. And this was well before inbox zero and all this kind of stuff. He said to me, don't respond to every single email message. Just look at it and say it's information. The expectation is not for it's, this is not supposed to be like this, this, this real time response system. And, and, and to this day, I'm, I email to me is like, and we, it's a necessary evil, to be honest with you. It's like one of these technological things that everybody, so one application online that everybody uses, no matter what, but it's become extremely, uh, it's not a good uh, uh, design pattern for working. Um, there's very particular use cases for it. So I'm really happy to see like companies actually observing this and saying, look, collaboration, it shouldn't be this sort of, you know, gotcha thing where people actually like, you know, send each other emails and they expect each other. And there's all these politics around email and the blind carbon copy and the CC and all the signaling. It's just a really, really kind of bad thing. And I, as I kind of like work with clients and stuff like that, and I see how difficult it is for clients to kind of wean themselves off email. So we like actually introduce Slack for our clients and we say, look, if you're going to work with us, we're going to introduce Slack. You can email us but we're going to prioritize Slack channels over email. And they're like, well, some of them are like, no, I just, I need to have email. It's like, it's fine. Just try it. I, you'll see what we mean when we want to actually talk to each other like human beings, as opposed to like, you know, send an email with a whole bunch of pages and expect some sort of like formal response where it's just not the way that we, people work. Um, and so that was, that piece of advice um, was really fundamental in my thinking about collaboration and how technology can actually be a really bad thing if you if you let it be that way that's excellent advice i talk a lot about email and productivity and how it is it is a love-hate relationship you know you have to use it but it's so easy to get in the habit of misusing it and checking it too often and and responding too often so i i that's great advice thank you so much for sharing that on this on this show i don't think we've heard that before but it's very very helpful we appreciate it um, and on that note, we will need to say farewell at this point, Alex. It's been great having you on the show. I'm sorry that we're out of time because Liam knows that when you start talking to me about email and productivity, I get a little bit 
excited and can go on and on. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Where can people find you online, Alex? Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Alex Sirota. And um, our website is www.newpathconsulting.com. Alex, so much. thanks so much for joining us here. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you just a little bit. And uh, hope to see you again in real soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Karen. Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.